I'm Jackie Patton, the founder of Inkblot Creative, and my favourite things are finding out what makes people tick and geeking out about how we communicate. On every episode of my new podcast, I'm going to be chatting to business leaders, creatives, and everyone in between about how they stay connected to their goals, their relationships, and their sense of purpose in a world where we're always glued to our screens. I love to chat, so every week you can tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher for the next free episode, and I'd love for you to be a part of this too, so why not head over to Instagram, at ink underscore blot underscore creative, to let me know what you think. This week I spoke to Murray Norton, the CEO of the Jersey Chamber of Commerce, ex-radio DJ, journalist and politician. I've known Murray for a really long time, but I learned so much about him and how he ended up doing what he does today during our chat. It's a great episode where we talk about porcelain budgies, career changes, and what it means to be kind. I hope that I'm still as kind as that that, that seven-year-old was who who bought the the ceramic budgie. Um, there are times when we all get a little bit stressed, um, but I think we just we just need to value um, the, the, the fact that we're here. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think we we are. We are incredibly lucky, and we're incredibly lucky to be in Jersey, even more than incredibly lucky to be in At the moment, when we're all separated from our loved ones, facing worries about our health and finances, being kind to each other should be a priority. And don't forget that sometimes it's the little things that have the biggest impact. We do mention coronavirus in this episode, but for some context, it was recorded before coronavirus was confirmed as a pandemic or the worldwide lockdowns began. If you missed our last episode with Charlene Brown, go and grab it now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher, or subscribe so you don't miss out. And thank you to everyone who's already left us a review. Stay safe, stay home, and don't forget to be kind. This is Stay Connected. This is your happy place, isn't it? This is my very happy Thank you for joining me. So Mari is the CEO of the Chamber of Commerce here in Jersey. And to kick off each episode, I've asked everybody everybody to bring in an object that they feel really connected to. And I can see Murray's object here on the table. Mari, could you describe that to our listeners, please? Well, you know, there there were one of two different items that I could have brought in, Jackie. And um, as I had to walk all the way across town, the the tabletop uh, Bakelite radio which which is my pride and joy, uh, would have made my arms fall off. So um, I brought in this because it has great sentimental value. It's a uh, a china, a porcelain uh, budgerigar. It uh, is. On sitting little... on a little wooden branch, uh, all made out of, uh, of of some very cheap porcelain. And it's green uh, with a, a white head to the budgie. And obviously it's male. It's got the little blue bit oh, above yeah. the beak. Uh, that much I know about it. Um, and that goes back to when I was seven. So okay. I thought I'm very connected to it, um, and it's a it's a it's a real old sentimental story. But I, I uh, it it's something that I wrap up very very carefully. I brought it in a lunchbox. Today. I did see actually. I saw you get it out, and I thought, what's he getting this lunchbox out for? Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> we're not going to have snacks. We are. We're going to have many <laughs> snacks. Um, this uh, this little budgerigar takes me back to to when I was a child, um, and it's it's been repaired many times. Oh, yeah, I can see the little. Uh, Glue little mark. glue marks, which I repaired it. Um, when I grew up uh, on a council estate in in Shrewsbury in Shropshire, um, and I was seven, um, home life was uh, at times absolute bliss, and at times, like everyone's family life, quite traumatic. Uh, we weren't a family uh, who had um, a great deal, if any, money. 
and um, we, uh, my mum was uh, was quite upset at the time, uh, quite emotional about stuff, and was not very happy in her in her world in her life. And as a seven year old, I think you absorb all of yeah, that, yeah, yeah, for sure. And you you see you see the upset going on in the household. Um, I went to the shops running an errand for my mum. Um, I th- I th- I've got a feeling, and I, I, I'm not sure if I've made this up in my mind or not, but I think I was going to ask the butcher for some bones, <laughs> which I was lying with for the dog. Um, so it gives you some idea of the financial situation at the time. And we met um, a what I would now describe as a property developer. What I describe at the time is a man in his Land Rover, or I was on my own, um, who was a builder. Okay. And I knew him uh, because my dad had done some work for him in the past. And uh, he was he was known as Mr. Davidge. And hello, Mr. Davidge. How are you, sir? And he, he just seemed an enormous guy to me. And he kind of ruffled my hair and asked how I was and asked how my mum was and my dad was. And I'm, oh, very, very good, Mr. Davidge. And then he unfurled a 10-shilling note. I, I don't think I'd really seen one before. Mm. Uh, and if I had, it was this mythical big sort of... Um, <laughs> pinky orange note and he said yeah go on go on go and buy yourself something and I was uh blown away by it uh what I did is I I went past the sweet shop uh and this is not to make myself uh, myself out to be any sort of saint because I would have normally gone to the sweet shop but having left mum in tears at home while I went and run an errand um I went to the hardware store next door and I bought this for I think seven and six so it gave me two and six change That's in old money, uh, probably. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I was looking up, I mean, that 10 shilling note's probably worth about 20 quid today. Mm. Um, and it was a huge amount of money and would have been a huge amount of money for the family as well. Um, but in my naivety to cheer up my mum, I went and bought her this and then took it home and wrapped it up in a bit of brown paper oh. and then gave her that uh, to cheer her up. Um, and I'm not sure whether she was crying because I'd just spent seven and six on <laughs> on that or, or whether she thought it was very sweet of me. But that's what I did. Um, and it kind of stayed in the family ever since. And um, and it's mine now. And and so I, that always takes me back to those very, very real days of, uh, of the council estate and, and life at that time. There can't be many seven year olds if they were given, let's say, 20 quid today who think I'm going to go and buy something nice for my mum with that. Yeah, I, I'm, it was. It, I don't know what I was thinking. I wish I could take <laughs> myself back to it now, um, and I'm sure that actually my mum would have rather I'd gone into the bushes and spent ten shillings on some food. Mm. Um, but but that was that was how it was, and and so it became uh, one of those things. And I think the bond between me and my my mum, I think it's, it's not uh, anything unusual to other yeah. fa- other families. Um, we were incredibly close then, and, and we were incredibly close for all of our life. And so that was always that that sort of sweet thing that I thought well at one time at least I was quite nice (laughs) well definitely to your mum yeah always (laughs) which is the main thing always to your mum and so what kind of family did you have then so obviously your mum it was you and your mum and you mentioned your dad do you have siblings yes two uh two two sisters um uh two sisters we had two brothers sadly who who died very young um and I think that that caused a great deal of the upset in the family so two younger sisters um, uh, mum stayed at home for most of that time while she did have lots of lots and lots of part-time jobs. She used to uh, peel potatoes for the local chip shop, actually. Um, Dad uh, was um, uh, was a musician and an entertainer. Okay, well, I know what that's like. Yeah, 
uh, and and that meant that there was high days and holidays and and lots of time in between it where there were lots of other jobs at the time. And he was actually a, a heating and plumbing engineer in as, as well in those early days. Um, but uh, so he was a jazz musician. So there were times when he was away. There were times when he was working. Mm. There were times when he, there were lots of late nights. Um, I think as time went on out of the 60s into the 70s into the 80s, there was a much more bohemian feel to home life because of what he did mm. and because we were surrounded by lots of people who were entertainers. People and, coming and going. Yeah. Yeah. Stepping over jazz musicians to go to school in the morning uh, because they were all asleep from the night before. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to do your homework while they're gigging in your garage or whatever. That's always fun. See, see, we, we, <laughs> we, we, we share, we share that and, and listening to your dad playing trumpet because he had to rehearse quite a lot. So that, you know, there was, there was never any peace in the house. Mm. Um, but for all that, a delightful, uh, really delightful childhood of, um, good times and bad times like everybody else. Um, at 11, I was sent to boarding school. Wow. Okay. Um, that's a big change. That was a huge change. And, and when I see 11 year olds now, I wonder you know, what were my parents thinking, but it was probably the best thing that ever happened. Um, I was lucky I got a, um, I suppose the equivalent of a scholarship. Now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a, um, I, I got discounted fees. Yeah. So um, I ended up going to a, a boarding school um, in South Shropshire, which had uh, 1,400 acres of grounds. Wow. Uh, had the most beautiful it looked a bit like Downton Abbey every time I see Downton Abbey I think I'm looking at my boarding school it looked very much like that it was in limestone it had the pillars at the oh, front yeah, it was no. all um there was only um 120 pupils there wow. uh, there was only 16 to a class um it majored in sport which is how I managed to get in there I think um and we played rugby five days a week and we got up at seven every morning and did a cross-country run and had a cold shower. That's how and, to keep you fit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you did estate work and um, and then you had breakfast. Um, so it was a very early start. It was it was um, quite a bit of study and homework in the evening or prep as it's called in mm. a boarding school was uh, every evening compulsory uh, after dinner. And, uh, and lights were out at nine o'clock in the evening, by which time you were exhausted. Yeah, especially um, if you've been for your run in the morning before you've done anything else. Well, there was there was a run in the morning and there was always a sports activity, mostly rugby in the afternoon. Um, two things were banned. One was football and the other were radios. Which, let's not jump too far ahead into your life, but obviously radio became a big part of it. Well, it well it, it does. And, and, and actually, once I left boarding school um, and I left it and finished my, my last year of schooling at the local secretary modern, which was a... A bit of a, a change. Another culture shock the yeah, other way. Yeah, real culture shock the other way. Um, I ended up playing football and ended up then spending the summer with Shrewsbury Town, who were then in the third division, um, hopefully being spotted as a, a bit of talent on the football field. Um, I had quite a few trials for different football teams uh, and didn't get spotted. <laughs> so, uh, but but yeah, the, t yeah. the two things that, that were banned were the two things I ended up doing. And so... You're talking about, you talked before about your kind of family life, council estate, not mm. a lot of money. Mm. How did you find it going into, now my assumption is that at a boarding school, there'd be a lot of people there that maybe didn't come with the same kind of background as you. Was that hard when you, as a kid, yeah. trying to fit in and make friends when maybe it's not the same lived experience to that point? Mm. Well, in, in 1970, um, and, and this year there's going to be a 50th anniversary of those who started in that wow. year. So not to age you or anything. Not to age me, but you can work out the math quite simply from that. Uh, in 1970, um, when I went there, um, and I, I used the date deliberately, um, I, I think I probably stood out more not from being the kid from the council estate. There may have been one or two others. Um, but because I was the only one with what was um, a very prominent suntan. 
uh, which I still sport today. Um, <laughs> so now we all want a suntan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but in 1970, I don't think it was the last thing I really wanted uh, to fit in was was to stand out with that suntan. And, and times were uh, slightly more brutal than they are now mm. in terms of uh, the name calling and and the fact that you were different to everyone else. Um, and my mum was was born in India and was adopted and brought back by an English sergeant major, which is, you know, wow. where, where that colour comes back from uh, during the partition in uh, between what is now India and Pakistan. Um, so I think my mum had dealt with it coming through and living uh, through the late 40s and the 50s and the 60s. Um, and, and we were kind of used to it as kids as well. Um, but at boarding school, there was no getting away from it. You couldn't go back home to your own bedroom or to your, the, the, the safety of your own house. So it was um, it was a fairly brutal first 12 months. Um, but I think all you can do in those circumstances is, is get people to see who you are and um, to also um, learn how you survive um, and excel at things. So people like you, I excelled at team sports which was quite useful. Mm, in a school uh, where sport's a big thing. Yeah, yeah. So I played a lot of rugby. And and, and actually, um, once you realised that you were quite successful at something like that, I think people wanted to be around you and you wanted to be around them. And actually, by about the first 12 months onwards, most people had forgotten it. Yeah, because by that point, you're the guy that's good at rugby or you're sure. the guy that's good sure. at whatever it is. And, I, you know, the, there's a group of, uh, of good friends around and we're still good friends today, you know, 50 years on. So so I think it was um, it was really, really tough, but it was the absolute making of me. That's interesting, isn't it? Absolute making. By the time I went home at 16, um, my parents thought I was a bit abnormal because um, <laughs> I was at this what was effectively a military boarding school. There were a lot of uh, military sons who were there because they were moving around yeah, a yeah. lot. Um, and we had to have our kit out on our bed, um, and everything had to be tidy. The discipline. Uh, it was real discipline. Your shoes had to be shined. Uh, there had to be a crease down your trousers. Um, you had, your hair wasn't allowed to touch your collar, which in the early seventies was. Yeah. You know, Everyone's hair was everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so you you not only stood out and looked a little bit different, but I was quite disciplined by the time I was sixteen. So my parents would come into my bedroom, and it would be really tidy. And I'd been up since seven o'clock in the morning and doing things because yeah. of what I've been doing. So I, I, I lived a different life. Of course, I made up for it between 16 and 25 by doing nothing. <laughs> so. But that, so I guess there's that transition into the boarding school, mm -hmm. feeling a bit different, different race, different background. And then coming back to secondary school, was that hard, the, the transition the other way? Yeah, um, it was a bit of a default that I ended up... Um, going back to the secondary modern because I should have stayed there till the end of schooling. And in my, just going into my final year, um, my school fees uh, had been subsidised by the county council, yeah, um, uh, which was good, uh, based on my father's earnings, which were based on him doing tax returns. Um, as a part-time musician and a uh, self-employed builder, heating engineer, um, he wasn't particularly diligent uh, with tax returns. And so they asked and they asked and they asked and they asked and he didn't do them. And because of that, they couldn't assess yeah. what I should have been paying or what my parents should have been paying or not for the um, boarding school. And in the end, um, it was too late and uh, the new school year started and they said, I'm sorry, you can't go. Yeah. got to go back to the local comprehensive. I turned up on the first day having been uh, given 
or my parents having been given the school uniform details and turned up in my full school uniform as I thought I should, mm-hmm. school tie, <laughs> white collared shirt, black blazer, crest. The whole shebang. The whole shebang. It appeared I was one of the only people that bothered to wear a school uniform, um, which made me stand out again. Um, yeah. and, and I think the first, uh, the, I got into one or two scuffles in, in, the, first, in the first month or so. Um, because I didn't fit in completely the reverse. Yeah, um, the opposite way. But by that time, I'd, I'd spent between 11 and uh, 15, 15 and a half, uh, getting up at 7 o'clock and, and doing lots of exercise and being quite physically fit. And, and actually, even for a little tiny little small guy, I was actually fine yeah. about it. And it was okay. You know, it was nothing worse than boarding school was. <laughs> well, it's yeah. a benchmark then, isn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. a good benchmark. Uh, so, so yeah, so uh, that was uh, that was a final year there in which um, my school year suffered probably quite a great deal. Um, I wanted to then be a footballer. Mm. Um, I didn't become a footballer. Um, and I ended up uh, going back to college for a year, which I didn't do anything except discover that, that you could get two record players and bolt them together. And put a record on one, and when it finished, you played the second one. And I thought that was really clever. <laughs> Apart from that, um, I didn't do very much else. Um, and that year at college was a complete waste of time. And um, we've kind of like we've talked briefly about kind of your career went down the route of obviously radio became mm-hmm. a big part of it. Yeah, accidentally. Accidentally. Mm. And now the role you're in now, the job you do now, is far away from radio. But what kind of, let's talk through that path. So from from school wanting to be a footballer to now as the CEO of a Chamber of Commerce, kind of what happened in between? Well, I'll I'll do a very whistle-stop because it'll take an awful long time. But but the the, the interesting thing is, and I've spoken at a couple of schools on this, um, and I keep saying to people, if you've got a real clear idea of what you want to do, fantastic. Mm. Because at 45, 50, I still didn't know. Um, And most people don't. And actually, what most people set off to do is not what they end up doing. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So, so don't sweat it. Just, just go with it and and follow your instinct a great deal of the time, uh, because actually, being happy in your job is probably far more important than doing something specific. Yeah, uh, you know, that that brings in some money, but at the end of the day, you're not happy because if you're not happy, you're going to spend an awful lot of time not happy, mm. forty odd years. So, for me, it was um, I worked at Rolls Royce as a, an engineering apprentice. Uh, for three years, um, and we were building tank engines, um, not the salubrious cars. Um, and then uh, they asked for uh, volunteers for redundancy um, because the Shah of Iran had been deposed in early 79 and the Ayatollah Khomeini took over and he cancelled the £50 million tank order that the British were supplying. Um, so the, the MOD department that I was working for was superfluous, really. Um, so I put my hand up for, for redundancy. I went and saw my agent who had a shed at the bottom of his garden. And he said, oh, um, because uh, um, he hadn't got me much work as a DJ. I've been doing that part time since I was about 15. And he said, I'll go and get pie and chips. It was a Saturday. And uh, just don't touch anything, answer the phone. A woman uh, phoned up uh, called Joyce. And she said uh, in a very uh, Liverpool accent that she, she needed a DJ um, in Jersey. Uh, Joyce Bean was her name and they owned a place called Bean's West Park I didn't know any of that at the mm. time so I said oh, I've got just the person <laughs> unexpectedly available um, so I left a note on the door saying keep the pie and chips gone to buy a ticket for ceiling and I came to Jersey the next day 
um, and I was the DJ in Blimpers with a guy called Smoky Joe, um, whose daughter I accidentally bumped into the other day, which is bizarre. And uh, <laughs> didn't know we were chatting. They said, oh, you must know my dad. You know, that that story. You'll know yeah, that one, Jackie. We've had that one. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was doing the the cabaret sort of comparing links uh, mm. upstairs in the, in the main cabaret room. Uh, so I did that uh, for three years. And uh, then went to get some records back that I lent to a guy called Richard Johnson who worked at BBC Radio Jersey that had just started because he hadn't given them back to me because they didn't have <laughs> enough records there at the time and I had plenty. And uh, he said, read the weather. So I read the, I think I read the shipping forecast in, in, in a very cod um, Inspector Clouseau type voice, you know, ah, Ildebrea, <laughs> ah, yes, it's going to be windy and all this sort of stuff. And the manager came in and said, who read that? Well, I thought, well, you can't sack me. I don't work yeah, here. Yeah. And he took me in the office and said, um, first time I've laughed over the shipping forecast. Um, what do you do? We had the conversation. And he said, uh, would you like to do the drive time show starting on Monday? So that wow. was February the 4th, 1984. What so a moment. I started. Yeah. So I've been there for quite a while afterwards. And then there was, so that was media. Then there was business. I had a couple of restaurants in Jersey. Um, um, had, had one for 13 years, bought them, sold them. Um, and then I was in politics. You were there was a stint. Why did you go into that? What was what made you think? Well, if you're if you're a little bit of a talker and you've suddenly gone into business, see, there's there's this thing if 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 politics and politics is everything basically. But if and you don't think that at the time, but if you if things don't affect you, if you don't have a property, if you don't have children that go to school. If you don't have a business, there's a lot of Jersey that doesn't affect you. Mm. You're just part of it. Mm. When you start having a mortgage, when you start having children, when you uh, when you have a business, things decisions that other people make have a real bearing on your life. Mm. So you then become much more vocal about them. Why are they doing this? Yeah, Why are they doing that? You're more interested in yeah. what's going on. You've got a vested interest. Um, and I suddenly had a very vested interest with the business. And I was talking about these uh, these people that were in the in the states at the time and surely you know they could think better than this what they actually need is some people that really understand what's going on mm. of course a lot of people said well go on then yeah put your money where your mouth is kind of yeah. thing yeah um and uh, i was going to stand the uh, four years before that but the timing really wasn't right in terms of the business and everything else and then i eventually did it and um uh, i think although although i was fairly confident at the time i was still surprised that i actually got in and, and I did, representing St. Brellard as a deputy. Um, still actually one of my proudest moments. Um, there aren't many people who've sat in a state seat that mm. was their seat for four years. Um, and to sit in the state's assembly and realise that there's you know, a thousand years of history behind you of people that have gone there before. And no matter what happens, somewhere in the public records will show that you sat there. Yeah. Um, so that's quite a pride thing. You know, I, was, I was really chuffed about that. I just wanted to jump into this episode to let you know about my new online course, Sell Your Story, How to Communicate with Your Customers and Your Colleagues. If you don't know much about me or my business, Inkblot Creative, we're a communications agency and we spend our time helping you to tell your story better. Sell Your Story is a five-week course starting on the 11th of May. And if you sign up, you're going to receive three hour-long classes and a live Q&A session with me every week for five weeks. I'm going to be teaching you tactical strategies and practices for dramatically improving your communications with your customers and your team. 
It works out at about £6.50 an hour, so I think it's super good value and it's going to be really helpful for businesses who want to learn more about selling online, managing internal communications when you can't be with your team and keeping your customers engaged if your business is paused right now. Head to the show notes to sign up because I'd love to see you there. Now let's get back to the show. And does it make you feel more connected to Jersey? Because obviously Jersey's mm. your home. You've been here a long time, but we yeah. talked about kind of it's not where you're from originally. It's not where your family are from originally. Yeah, I think I think that grows over time. I think it did when I was broadcasting. When you when you're doing a radio show every day and you're dealing with the day to day of what happens, no matter what it might be, um, you become more connected. Um, and a lot of people are still very surprised. You obviously grew up here. No, I just happen to have been here for a long time. Mm. Um, so I, I always felt. Uh, connected. I think there was a tipping point after about five or six years of being in Jersey where I would go to my parents in the UK and say, well, I'm, I'm going back home. And mm. home became Jersey. And once you start calling Jersey home, uh, you start realizing it must be. And um, and so, yeah, so uh, that was, uh, I was connected. I got even more connected because of the politics. And I think if you've been in business, you've been in the media and you've been in politics, um, it just felt for me as if the role of CEO of Chamber was kind of written for me mm. because it's all three of those. I deal with the media on a daily basis. I deal with government probably three, four times a day and I'm dealing with businesses all around. Um, so having that that insight on all three, you know, not a master of any, jack of all trades, it's, it's quite useful. But do you think Murray, age seven, going to buy his budgie? Mm. Would ever have kind of pictured Murray now? Oh, good grief! No. With the life you've got now, because that's a bit—it's a big difference, isn't it's, it? It's a quantum leap from one to the other, um, and um, I en- I enjoy the difference and the journey of all mm. of that. And I think the journey—it's it, it, quite nice to enjoy where you are. Mm. But I actually enjoy every aspect of those. I don't think there's been a job that I haven't really enjoyed, um, and and that's and that's uh, quite a fortunate position. Uh, to be in because I say you've spent 40 years of your working life and Mm. more you might as well do something you enjoy Um, and actually the jobs I wouldn't say they've got better but they are that I've enjoyed each one and valued each one so there's not many people that can say that though are there really no and and the job I've got at the moment uh, I absolutely adore I I can't wait to get up in the day I can't wait to see what we're going to do Um, there are challenges there are there are challenges every single day there are things that um, the members of the Chamber of Commerce feel could be done better mm. by by government, and, and my job is to convey that to government, but also to get government to understand where business is coming from, uh, and it's a bit of both sides. Uh, what I what I discovered quite early on is that, when I, and I've said this a couple of times before on record, but um, and I don't mean to offend people, but I spent the first six months sitting in the States Assembly and wondering how and why I got there, and what I was doing there. I spent the next two years wondering how or why everyone else got there mm-hmm. um, and what they were doing there. Um, and, and so you, you, you build in confidence as you get into your environment. Um, and I discovered that um, there are a great deal of peop- many people in business who don't understand what happens in politics. They don't understand the process. They don't understand what happens with a proposition and an amendment. Yeah, a lot Jersey's, of, Jersey's different. A lot of business people here are not from here as well. Right. So we're used to politics in other countries and it's it's different, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and I've, I've, I've taken business people to the state's assembly and sat up in the gallery with them 
and they've never seen it before, and yet they've been in business for 10, 15, 20 years. Mm. But then they've seen how it operates, um, and that can be quite frustrating in itself. Um, and, and conversely, there are people in politics who've probably never been in business before, and that's mm. no bad thing. Not everyone should be in business. Um, but when you're sitting around a table with uh, 10 or 12 people from a particular sector in business, and between them there's four or 500 years' worth of valued valued, really valued um, at the, at the coalface experience, you know, then government really should listen to them mm. because they know what's going on in business yeah. and they know the effects of legislation. So bringing those two together is, is, is my role. Now, it doesn't mean I know a great deal about politics or I know a great deal about business. I know a bit about both. Uh, but what I can do is introduce both sides to each yeah. other and get them to sit down. To make sure you're making sure that they listen to each other. Yeah, I think I think that's the important thing. Uh, they've they've both got the knowledge they've got. All they need to do is listen to each other and learn from each other. Mm. And actually, they will be better working together than they will be knocking seven bells out of each other. So your day to day must be he's kind of <laughs> saying that was pretty mad. Um, I, <laughs> just just for everyone listening, Murray did get here and demolish a packet of jammy dodgers because he hadn't eaten anything yet this morning. Yeah, so. I, I didn't get the opportunity to eat this morning because there's been one or two things going on. <laughs> So it's pretty um, busy, your day-to-day. -day. Yeah, yeah. It it can start at whatever time. Uh, this morning, uh, obviously, listening to the news sources and to the radio mm -hmm. and, and getting as much information before I get into the office is really important. Um, there's been a lot of engagement this morning following, uh, and, and, and you know, forgive me for time-dating this interview, no, it's but fine. This, okay. uh, this, this is uh, surrounding uh, the uh, coronavirus mm. uh, and, the, and the particular strain, COVID-19. Uh, we've been looking into that as a, as a chamber to advise our members. Um, we want to engage with the government uh, as to what they're doing and, and what the contingency plans are, because mm, I think it's... everyone needs to know. Yeah. Um, so this morning I've had uh, lots and lots of conversations with many people in government, uh, and I've had a few conversations with our members asking what they should do, where they should go, who they should talk to. So we've had a lot of that. Now, I didn't know that was going to happen on, yeah. on Friday, but certainly most of my morning this morning has been taken up with that. There's lots of other things going on at the same time. We're talking about sustainable transport. Uh, we're talking about retail strategy. There's an island plan to be designed. There's population to be talked about. Um, and we are, and I am particularly involved in all of those. So it keeps me busy. So how do you kind of stay connected to your family and your friends and everything that's not work then because when you've got a busy job and there's a lot going on that mm. can be quite hard so what do you do to kind of stay connected to the important people in your life outside of your work day to day um probably what i did uh on on, uh, on sunday which was to uh, uh my wife and i just went uh, and had a walk down on the beach there happened to be a little bit of sunshine <laughs> which made a difference uh, and we just sat there for about an hour and we probably didn't speak for half an hour just sit there and just listen to the sea. Just appreciate where you live. Um, I had a little, little. I live in St. Oban. I've lived in St. Oban for a long time. And there's always people to say hello to as you go through the yeah. town. Um, but I, I think I think it's the same no matter what job you do. There, there has to be a, a point where you take off whatever your job is. It was more difficult when I was a politician because people wanted to come up and talk to you when you're trying to have your um, your quiet meal for two in a restaurant and, and tell you what you're doing wrong. Um, not so much now, which is which is good. Um, so there are challenges of trying to switch off, but but actually, I I quite like just putting my feet up. I'm quite a lazy soul when I get home. <laughs> I quite like being at home, you know, uh, or pottering around in the garden, growing some vegetables, just switching off. You grow your own veg. Yeah, not all of it. 
not all of it. But some of it. That's but some, of, some of it. Yeah, we, we've had, we had a, a really good crop of strawberries last year. We had a lot of leeks last year. Uh, what else did we do last year? We've had some courgettes. Yeah, we, we've grown a few things, some potatoes. So do you think, is gardening kind of one of your ways to switch off then, getting out there in your garden? Yeah, my grandfather uh, was a gardener. Uh, my father's father, um, he was a, um, a real, a proper professional gardener. Um, when he came out of the the RAF, and uh, he was a very quiet man. Um, he he was on the ground crew in Biggin Hill during uh, the Battle of Britain, and I've only recently had some photographs sent to me of him in the ground crew, which I wow. hadn't hadn't realised existed before, That's so cool. uh, which is really good. And um, I think he saw a great deal, and he never really talked about it very much. I think he saw a lot of young airmen going off, and a lot of them not coming back. Mm. And um, he found solace in the garden. And uh, so he wouldn't talk a great deal but about anything, but he would produce the most wonderful fruit and veg, raspberries, rhubarb, potatoes, cauliflower, you name it, he did it. And uh, had the most gorgeous garden. And I think that, I think as you get older, I mean, we, we all say this, we turn into our parents or our grandparents, but you do go back to understanding why they got out of what they did. And... Uh, and it's and so, a way to feel close to people, isn't it, when they're maybe yeah. not here? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, and I think that, uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you place yourself in those places yeah. that, that yeah, there's a bit of osmosis to to feeling what they felt and knowing that they must have felt the same as you feel. Um, so so that's, that's a good thing. And, uh, yeah, just peace and quiet. Countryside. I love the countryside. So if I can be anywhere that's away from people... <laughs> I don't know. That sounds like a very miserable person, but I spend a lot of my life yeah, around people. Yeah, because it's flip side, isn't it? If you spend a lot of your time with people, then a good way to switch off mm. is to do the opposite. Mm. I like going to a city probably for a day or possibly two. Any more than that is really too much for me. There's too many people around and there's too much noise. We went out the other night. Um, oh, yeah, we went out, went out on Friday night and uh, we went into a pub pre-going to the opera house and it was so noisy and I just felt like a really grumpy old man it's too noisy and you know, I can't hear myself think and, and I suddenly realized that actually uh, I don't do that anymore and for someone that worked in nightclubs for so many yeah. years I'm the last person that should be moaning about noise so it's interesting isn't it how kind of the things you value change as your life changes and like quiet time going for a walk on the beach with your wife versus yeah. Being in a nightclub. <laughs> yeah, my idea, my ideal Saturday night is feet up. <laughs> I love it. And we, we've talked a bit about kind of connections to different people. Do you use much social media? Is that something that you get involved in or is that not something that's on your radar? Yes, it is on my radar. I think it has to be. It, it had to be when I was in politics. It mm. probably was when I was in the media before it and it was just, just coming in. It was just not, not, it was in, but it was not as prevalent as it is now. I mean, when I started in, in, in broadcasting, there were typewriters. Yeah. And I remember the first mobile phone that was about four and a half kilos and had a little block you carried around with you and like a car battery, basically, and a, and a phone yeah. handset. Um, so I've seen the technology change from, from vinyl to CDs to DAT tapes right through until what we have now in digital playout systems. Um, and, and, and during that time, uh, you, you notice all of these changes. And social media is just one of those probably must-haves, mm. um, particularly in the industries, whether you're in broadcasting or in politics or in business. I think you need all of those. And, yeah, I, I think my social media behaviour is probably changing. Okay, how so? I think you don't need to say as much. 
Um, and I think you need to, you probably need to double check what you're saying an awful lot more uh, than I used to, mm. because it will always be there. And yeah. there are probably things I've said or uh, criticisms I've given uh, of, of situations or people that probably if I look back now, uh, m me now, as opposed to me five, six years ago, I'd have probably gone, I shouldn't have said that. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm probably a little bit more measured than I used to be. I'd, I'd like to think I am. Yeah. There's the occasional time when I get goaded into something <laughs> and there's always someone going to, you know, prod you with a stick that makes you want to respond and, and you sometimes wish you wouldn't. So, you know, I try and give advice to myself, which is don't. Mm -hmm. Are you going to still be worried about this in 48 hours time? Yeah. No. In that case, just let it go. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? That idea of how do you use it to build connections, not get involved in other things that won't mm. be important two days down the line, three days down the line. I'm probably a lazy tweeter um, <laughs> because I, I, I take more than I give to the service. Um, I like it for information. I like it because I you go down one of those little rabbit holes, a little like, like Google, mm. um, that I'll start scrolling through and I'll find an interesting article that links to another one that links to another one. And I'll read for an hour off my phone two or three interesting articles, which is fine. Um, not where I started out, but where I've ended up. Um, do I give as much information to other people? Probably not. It's probably because I haven't got as much to say. <laughs> And do you find it easy to switch off from it then to kind of? Um, no, no, no. The problem is that I'm I'm hungry for information. I like to learn things that I didn't know before. Mm. Um, I wish I'd been like that at school. Yeah, that's always the way, isn't it? As a grown up, you're like, I wish I had all those classes again. Oh, I'd be an excellent student now. I was a rubbish student then because I was just bored. I wanted to do something else. It's like the wrong time in your life, isn't it? To mm. be mm. given all that information. It's interesting. <laughs> And what about in the future? What are you, have you got any kind of big goals, anything big that's coming down the line that you are mm. focused on? What am I really focused on? I think, I think business is going to change slightly. Uh, I think that um, people will, people will change uh, how they operate businesses. I think there will be more people who don't need to be in their office. I think I've been mm. saying this for some time. I think there will technology uh, through video link is getting so much better than it ever oh, yeah. was. So I think that things will change. And I think that um, I'd like to be part of that. Oh, okay. So I'd like to be able to, and I'm already, I already work from home one, two days a week. Yeah. So what do you, is there anything coming up in the future, anything, you know, in the next few months that you're focused on, any big goals that you're kind of aiming for? Um, I think the day-to-day -day of Chamber makes it quite difficult. I think there's some very big um, policy coming up from government. Uh, population is going to be the thing that I think we're going to talk more mm -hmm. about for the second half of this year um, and into next year. Um, and I think population is going to be one of the things uh, I think that um, the economy is always omnipresent. Mm -hmm. You know, one way or another, we're always going to talk about the economy. Um, so those things are constant and they take up most of that time. Personal goals for me, uh, I would I would like to think that we can engage better with government and represent business better. I think we're doing a good job at the moment, um, and hopefully it's improving. Mm. And, and I think that government recognises the same and wants to do the same as well. We've just got to find the right method of doing it. Um, I think it's in everyone's benefit. Nobody wants um, a bad government. Yeah. It's not good for the people, but it's not good for the economy either. And um, 
That's not saying we have got a bad government, but I think what we need to do is make sure that government stays fairly even mm. um, because stability is what we all need um, for the economy because then we can invest and trust in it. And so I think um, the economy is obviously important. Politics is important. Housing is going to be incredibly important. And the New Island Plan, which is 2022 when it comes out, a lot of work on that at the moment. That's going to set out the template for the next 10 years of Jersey. Now, we need to think very carefully to make sure uh, what we're asking for now is what we really need in the next 10 years. So, Do you think it's feasible to plan that far ahead? It's very difficult to do that, but the danger is if you don't, is, is far worse. So it's, it's, it's the better of two evils. You're never going to get it right. Um, and I guess if it's flexible, no to change. Right. I think what you need to do is be reassessing it every three years or so. But you need to set out a course um, of where it's going to be. The trouble is that life is changing so much. As I alluded to before, the, the whole idea of remote working. Mm. Um, there is, in my opinion, no need for everyone to come into work at the same time and leave at the same time. And there's no need for a lot of people to come into work every day. And I think sometimes Jersey as a place can be a bit behind in catching up to these things. Mm. You go to London now, there's co-working spaces, shared yep. spaces everywhere. We're getting our first one, I think, in the island this year. So that's, it feels like a new thing for us, doesn't it? But it, that's been going on for a long time. Yes, it has. Um, and I think in an island uh, such as Jersey, there's no reason why we can't do that. Yeah. We have the fastest broadband, one of the fastest broadband in the world. We're probably better equipped than most places in the yeah. world to be doing this. Um, and I think that the well-being aspects of that are good for everyone. Uh, personally, for me, I'm finding it better already. At least one, possibly two days a week, I work remote from the office. And what now, does that do for you? Um, it makes me feel a whole lot better. I, I'm a lot more productive. Um, I can concentrate a lot more. Um, and uh, as long as I manage my time so that if I'm having front-facing meetings, then I, for example, we do that on the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and if it's Monday and Friday, and it's not always Monday and Friday, but if yeah. it's a Monday and Friday that I'm working from home, that's good for me. That's good for the business. Um, it's also good for the environment because I've just cut my carbon footprint by 40% by not coming into work tw twice. Mm. Um, uh, so my oil-burning car doesn't doesn't pollute everyone else and I leave space for other people uh, so I think that's quite a quite a neat way of being able to say well what's my contribution here what am I doing actually I'm not using my car twice a week I'm not coming into town mm. um, whether the shopkeepers love me for that because I'm not coming to spending money twice a week I don't know but you know it's just an example of where we can go and how we can change what is a mindset I think we just need to ask ourselves why do we do everything that we do do you think there are challenges to so if everybody works remotely, how you kind of... Because one of the great things about going to work mm. is that the people you work with, hopefully. Yes. Hopefully most people work with people they like. Yeah. And there's that kind of connection of bouncing off someone and all mm. of that. So how do you kind of maintain that if you're not face-to-face -face with someone in the same space? I don't think you'll... Yeah, I mean, you won't, you won't maintain it the same way. Um, I think looking at some of the uh, some of the new technologies, some of the new programs that are out at the moment. Uh, there are I'm, I'm, I'm just trialling one or two of them at the moment, um, where you are almost omnipresent in the corner of the screen. Now, you're only in the corner of the screen. But it means that you can see the other person working there just as much as if you could turn around and say, oh, Jackie, what do we do about so-and-so, so-and-so? Yeah. Can you just remind me what we... You can still do that. In fact, when I work from home, there are, there's more dialogue... Uh, with my team at the office um, and when they work from home because it's not just me 
there's more dialogue with them when they're working from home and I'm in the office. Uh, for example, today, one of my team is working from home and I'm in the office today. Um, and that helps her a great mm. deal in, in managing her life um, and, and other parts of her life that she wants to manage. Uh, but we, we talk probably more than we do when we're in the office. Because you're more aware, I guess, yeah. of the fact that you need yeah. to check in. And, and, and we've, we've got a constant dialogue. So you've, you've got a little team box there and we're talking to each other. Um, and, and that's quite useful. But also we can hold meetings exactly the same way. You know, the four or five people Yeah, you uh, don't need video. to be in a room. And what about, so that's kind of goals for work and mm. what's coming up for the chamber. But what about you personally? Have you got anything kind of big things on the horizon <clears throat> personally? Uh, anything that you're excited about or planning for? uh there's 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 always there's always <laughs> one or two bits of excitement and how can i how can i avoid this question um uh no i i like i like to travel um i like to get away from time to time and um i like spending time in france i i, I love going to france i just love the the tranquility of it so um i'm looking forward to uh to getting away a, a couple of times this year and uh, uh probably not going where there's going to be any people and if I can drive far enough that I don't see another Jersey plate, that's even better. Not that I don't love people from Jersey. I just don't it's want to see them on your holiday. holiday. And I, I've, that's happened in so many parts of the world. Well, that's scary, isn't it? When you walk into a restaurant or something. I was at a street party, a street party in St. Lucia. And someone come up and said, is it you from the radio? What are you doing here? Well, I'm not in a day trip. I? <laughs> um, I, was, I was lying on the, and this sounds like I have glamorous holidays and I don't anymore, but I remember having a, a very nice holiday where I was lying on the beach in Mauritius and uh, someone shouted from a balcony from a room behind, Oi, oi, Marie. And it turns out there was 10 of them there on a wedding. And you want to be like, oh, no. I was like, great. Yes, I'll see you at the bar. Oh, I can't believe it. And I lay on the beach once and, and my binman was on the next sunbed. And I was world, about 4,000 miles away. And he said, oh, just to let you know, everything looks fine at your place. I emptied the bins last week. Oh, he just arrived. Um, so, yeah, uh, and that's a story of Jersey. People always find people from Jersey no matter where they are. Yeah, no matter where you are in the world. Mm -hmm. So just to finish up then, mm. we've talked a lot about kind of your life growing up, what your job's <clears throat> like now, what you've done before. Yeah. Is there anything, when we're thinking about kind of how you connect to people, to your job, to, to all the different things that you're interested in, is there anything that you think you'd like to work on doing better in the future? Oh, everything. I want to work on it all. Um, I probably need to talk less. I talk a lot. I've, I've, I've done really? it for a living. Yeah, you hadn't noticed, had you? No. Um, I talk a lot and I probably need to talk less and listen more. Um, and, I, and, I, and when I do that, people then think I'm being miserable. <laughs> You need to listen with a smile, Murray. That's yeah, the tip. Yeah, uh, listen with a smile. Thank you. <laughs> See, so I knew I'd come in here and get a free tip. Um, I think I think I probably need to talk less, listen more. Um, I I think I've I'm, I'm trying to read a lot more okay. to to understand a lot of things that I don't understand, and um, <clears throat> I can be quite opinionated at times, and I probably need to reserve judgment on a little a few things until I find more facts. You know, I think there's a few people who probably. Could could honestly admit to that. Yeah. Um, so so yeah. I uh, um, I hope I hope that I'm still as kind as that 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 seven year old was who who bought the the ceramic budgie. Um, there are times when we all get a little bit stressed, um, mm. but I think we just we just need to value um, the, the the fact that we're here. Yeah, for sure. You know, oh, and I think we we are 
we are incredibly lucky and we're incredibly lucky to be in Jersey, even more than incredibly lucky to be anywhere. And I think we need to value that and, and appreciate that a lot more. And perhaps we can all be a bit kinder. So, you know, that's, you know, doesn't, doesn't it make me sound all nice and fluffy? Yeah, just at the end. <laughs> that's nice. Just at the end, as opposed to during the middle of it when you were just a rat bag as normal. No, um, I think it's good advice. I think I, 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 it's just wasted energy otherwise. Yeah. And, and I'm getting too old to waste energy now. It's a good way to think of it, though, isn't it? If you only get a certain amount of energy every day, you might as well spend it on the things that make you happy, things that make other people happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if if, if before the battery recharge needed by 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 overnight, then you know, try and try and do the right things um, and do things which are which are good things. You can't always. Not everyone can do it in everyone's job, and you know, we've all got. Um, a certain mundane part of our job that we have to go through, and we all have to go through that. Um, but I think we should, you know, even, even celebrating that's good. I'm not, I now look at the stairs. Someone told me this. It was my old friend Peter who told me this. He said, stairs. He said, whenever I'm thinking of stairs or lift, I always look at the stairs and say, I'm celebrating my legs. <laughs> and, and every time I, th I think of that, I think I'm celebrating my legs. And if I keep saying it to myself as I'm walking up eight flights of stairs to the car, then I feel an awful lot better than if I was taking the lift. And if I can, if I can do that celebrating your legs to other things as well, you probably get through it a lot easier. I think that's a fantastic thing to end on. I think everybody should be celebrating their legs or whatever their thing to celebrate is. I haven't got many moment. legs to celebrate. It's <laughs> quite short. But it's been really great chatting to you today. Um, before you go, hmm. how can our listeners find out more about you, what you do, the chamber? Oh, thank you for that opportunity uh, because I failed to plug myself enough. Um, if they if they log on to uh, www.jerseychamber.com, uh, they'll find all the information. We've got a great website which was rebuilt last year, um, and that will give them everything in how to become a member of Chamber. Please, I'd urge anyone to do that. Um, the work we're doing, the diary of events we've got on, all of that is all in there. And, uh, and that's the best way. Or just pick up the phone or find me on Twitter, find me on Facebook or wherever. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll try not to say too much. Fantastic, Murray. Thank you for joining me. Pleasure. Oh, thank you. See, it's easy, really, isn't it? I love your budgie. Budgie. Bless it. Has it got a name? Hopefully you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. You can tune in every week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher for the next free episode. And why not subscribe so you don't miss out? If you like it, then don't forget to leave us a five-star review because they really do help. And head over to Instagram at ink underscore blot underscore creative to carry on the conversation. Thanks so much for listening. And don't forget to stay connected. Stay connected.